Good morning, everyone. Hi. Good to see you all. If you have your Bibles, come with me to uh, Zephaniah, which is in the Old Testament. And if you don't quite know where to find it, um, most of your Bibles will have a table of contents. And if you've got one of those uh, electronic devices, you're already there, as I mentioned. So come with me to uh, uh, Zephaniah uh, chapter 3 this morning, and let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for uh, this day. It's the day you've made, and Lord, we make a choice to step into all the good things that you have for us. And we pray, Lord, that we would grab a hold of joy and allow you, Lord, to minister to our hearts today through your word, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We come to this prophet, Zephaniah, and one of the things that I enjoy about the Advent season is that it reconnects me each and every year to these major prophets and major by size and these minor prophets because they're little letters. Are, uh, most of the time, they're, uh, the structure of the letters are, are poetic in form. And if you studied a little bit of Hebrew, uh, which I've studied enough Hebrew just to get me into enough trouble to know. So it's, uh, the Hebrew language is more poetic uh, than, than what we're used to in the English language. But I enjoy coming back to see these uh, minor and major prophets every advent because they connect me to the, the pro- prophetic voice that exists both in the Old and New Testament. We've already looked at two other prophets. We've looked at Jeremiah and Zephaniah, his ministry ends and Jeremiah's ministry begins. And we've looked at uh, the Italian prophet Malachia, uh, better known in the Hebrew as Malachi. Uh, but each one of these prophets looked at um, uh, the events of their day, but had a voice that was the same, a voice that reflected the heart of God. And so when we looked at Malachi, Malachi comes in and speaks a prophetic word to the children of Israel after they've been in 70 years of captivity. Malachi comes and speaks a a word to them. Jeremiah has a different kind of perspective on it. Jeremiah is, he he followed Zephaniah, and Jeremiah is pleading with the people to, to come back to the Lord. And the children of Israel carried into exile by the Babylons. Babylonians. And then Zephaniah, Zephaniah comes even before that. Zephaniah comes after Hezekiah uh, and comes to this young boy in his beginning of his ministry, comes to this young boy who became king. Josiah became king at age eight. But all three of these prophets in the, in the prophetic literature, both Old Testament and New Testament, have a similar pattern when you look at them. They have a message to God's people. Come back to the Lord. And the people, because of their own willfulness, their own disobedience, their own depravity, the people of God, both Old and New Testament, they drift away. They drift into idolatry and and pagan worship. When we look at the book of Revelation, it's the same. In chapters 1 through 3, there's there's a message to the churches. There's a message to what? To come back to your first love. And if we looked at it as a three-act play, that would be, say, act one. There's a call, there's a prophetic voice, a prophetic call to come back to God. The second act of that voice, or the second act of a play, if we use that metaphor, 
is God's judgment that comes. God's judgment that comes upon his people. God's judgment that comes upon the nations. And we can see that in Malachi and Jeremiah and Zephaniah. And we can see that in the book of Revelation from chapter 4 to chapter 18. God's judgment comes. And then we can say, thank the Lord for his mercy and the joy that God brings. Because not only is he just, but he's merciful. And the prophetic, the prophetic voice always leaves us with what? Always leaves us with hope. Always leaves us with joy because God is faithful to his covenant. And so the third aspect of the prophetic voice, or the, use the metaphor of a play, the third act in a three-act play is always this. God is merciful and faithful to his covenant, and he sustains his people, and he brings peace in the midst of calamity, and he sets the order right. Therefore, we have joy. And we look at Zephaniah. He ends his letter, his prophetic voice, with joy. We look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah ends his letter, his prophetic ministry, with joy. And you look at the book of Revelation in 19 and 20 and 21 and 22. It ends up with glorious joy of God making new heavens and new earth and setting all things right. And so it's a good word in the midst of our present dilemma, the present chaos that exists in our country, is that there's a, there's a new shift coming. And the new shift isn't all that great. There's a, there's a shift that's going to happen where, where little babies, unborn babies' lives are going to be taken from them. And God is going to come and bring his judgment on this country. But even in the midst of judgment, what we're going to see, God's people have peace and joy because they know the prophetic voice. They know the character of God. Because God is not only a judge, judges sin, judges his people, judges the nations, but he's a merciful God. And his mercy is all wrapped up in his, his sovereignty and his immutability, and that he is sovereign and he changes not. And so even though people may walk away from God, God does not walk away from his people or his promises. Therefore, we have peace. Therefore, we have joy, and we stand in the midst of a culture that's unraveling. We stand in the midst of that culture as a light and as a witness to his great and glorious kingdom, which we see the fulfillment of that, not only in Zephaniah, but in Jeremiah and in Malachi and in the book of Revelation and chapter 22. We see the victory that the Lamb of God has over all evil and defeats it and brings us great and everlasting joy. And so come with me to Zephaniah and let's see that. You're going to see Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3 just in this last chapter, Zephaniah chapter 3. So Zephaniah begins, he, he begins with, if there was one word to describe the prophets, it begins in chapter 3, verse 1. Whoa! is that there's that, that element that the prophetic comes and, and brings God's judgment upon the culture of the day, upon each and every system, whether it's the religious system 
of the governmental system. And you see that. Uh, Zephaniah says, Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled. The, the oppressing city. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. And, he, and just this one verse, we see the sin of oppression and selfishness, the sin of idolatry that the prophets expose. You can see it if we harmonize Zephaniah. We could look at Zephaniah chapter 1, and we could look at uh, verse 4. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the name of, of the idolatrous priest along with the priest. And so there's that, that judgment that, that God in his justice. And just remember this in the midst of our culture. No one, no one will ex- escape the hand of God. There's no man or woman that will ex- escape his justice. And so as believers, as we look at our culture, don't fret, don't worry, be light, be salt, walk in God's peace, walk in God's joy, because God has a day of reckoning for every man. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then what? And then judgment. And the prophet, the prophetic voice, speaks to that across cultures, across centuries, across governmental systems, is God is just. And, and his delay is only about this, his mercy. And so come back to Lamentations. Yeah, Lamentations. That would be a good book too. But we're in Zephaniah. So you look at Zephaniah, woe to her. And then he, 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 he indicts the whole culture. He says her officials in verse 4, and, and uh, verse 3. In verse 4, his, the, the prophets are fickle and treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. And so over and over again, if we harmonize uh, Zephaniah again, we come to chapter 1, verse 17. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. And this is the problem with mankind is that, is that they interpret God's judgment as his approval. Or they inter- interpret God's delay in judgment as his approval. And the prophetic voice is this. No one, no one, no system of government, no king, no ruler is above the Lord and his justice. Come to verse, oh, what is it? Verse, verse 5 uh, in chapter 3 in Zephaniah. And we see a great contrast. It says, the Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail but the unjust knows no shame. There's a great word here for us as believers in our culture is that there's always a remnant. There's always a remnant within God's people that are true to him. If we harmonize this with Zephaniah, we have to go to Zephaniah chapter 2 and look at verse 3. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. And what we see here, once again, is that in the midst of a culture that's depraved, God has his chosen ones. That's you and I. God has his people that stand in the midst of the culture and give witness that this culture, this form of government, this time, this season in history, you know, every culture thinks that they're the the be-all and end-all that's ever happened. 
every culture. Rome had theirs, Caesar Augustus. He was the most powerful political and military person. They named him Augustus because they wanted to give him the title like he's like a god. Well, Rome didn't stand, did it? Because God will share his glory with no man. But within each culture, there's that remnant. And it speaks to us of God being faithful to his covenant. God being faithful to those that he has called. God being faithful to those that stand as light. Come to verse 9 with me when we look at Zephaniah. And we begin to see that covenant faithfulness of the Lord. For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech. And all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exalted ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. Now, this is a word to Israel. And it speaks of, uh, once again, that prophetic aspect of God is faithful to his covenant. It, it goes all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. It goes all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, 1 through 10, where God says this to the children of Israel. He says, you are not the mightiest. You are not the most numerous. You are not the most powerful. But God said to them, I have chosen you. I have elected you. I have called you, not because of your numbers or your strength or your power, but I have chosen you because I love you. And that's the same word for us today as new covenant believers in Jesus Christ, is we are not the most numerous, are we? We are not the most powerful. We are not the most influential. But that shouldn't bring us sadness. That should bring us joy and peace because we look to a... We look to a more sustaining kingdom, a more powerful kingdom, a God of justice and a God of mercy. And that is what we point to. Finally, when we look at at Zephaniah, we get to that point where it's easy to preach on because it's not about justice, God's justice in doing, you know, correcting evil, but it's about the, the joy and the love that we have in God. I tell you, I read through the Bible every year, and by the time I get to Malachi, I'm like, oh my goodness. This is, this is just, it's so repetitive. It's, Please be my people, I love you. And the people depart, and God says, I'm a just God, so therefore I'm going to correct you. And then, and then the people are completely a mess, and God says, yes, and I'm going to be completely merciful to you. And we need that word today. That God... God honors his covenant. God stands by his word. And so in the midst of our culture, in the midst of our day, we can still have peace and we can still have joy because we have a God who's sovereign, immutable, changes not. Look at verse 14. Sing aloud, O daughter. daughter. This is the Lord talking to the children of Israel. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem, because the Lord is going to do four things for them. And that's what we see in the next verse. That he's going to take away judgment. 
He's going to do away with their enemies. He's going to, the king of Israel, the Lord, he's going to be in their midst. Thirdly and fourthly, you shall never again fear evil. Why? Because God is just and he will avenge his name and his glory and God is merciful. And because he's merciful, those that call upon the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. And we have no fear in the midst of our culture. No fear at all. Because we have a great God who will deliver his people, a great God who will sustain his remnant, a great God who at the end of the day has the last say in all things. The Lord continues his message to the children of Israel. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let your hands... Let not your hands grow weak. It's the same message that Jeremiah had in chapter 47. The Lord your God, and this is a beautiful set of couplets that should bring our hearts a robust and full confidence to live life, to raise our children, to have joy and confidence, to raise our children, to have courage to make a difference in the world, to raise our children not to cower, in the midst of an oppressive culture are not to cower because of a, a pandemic or difficulties that we all face, but to, but to raise our children with a trust and confidence in the way God sees those that are his. Take a look at the verses with me. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weary. In verse 17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will, be, he will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. That's how the Lord sees your heart. That's how the Lord sees his people, is that the Lord delights in his people he loves his people. He has joy over the people. And I know some of you have a problem with our sound system in the volume. But just know this. In the Hebrew, it means loud singing and shouting. And in the, in the sense of, uh, of the, festal, the festival worship uh, with tambourines and trumpets and all that. Why God designed tambourines, I have no idea. But, it, but he's all into it. And it will be a joyous, raucous celebration. One last thing as we close out Zephaniah. Take note of the seven times between verses 18 and 20. The Lord says this, I will do it. 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 At least you forget. I will do it and I will do it because God is sovereign and he will do it. And so our joy and our peace rests not in circumstances but rest in a God who is faithful to his covenant, who will never abandon his people because he is sovereign, he is immutable, he is faithful to his promises. And so each prophet that we've looked at so far, Zephaniah ends on a note of joy. Jeremiah ends on a note of joy. Malachi ends on a note of joy and prophesying the coming 
of the Messiah and John the Baptist that we see in the New Testament. So my message to you today, church, is this. Don't cower. Don't fret. Don't worry. But have your confidence in a good God who changes not. For he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he changes not. And so have confidence in a good God. That is the third act. And that is the final message that we hear from the prophetic voice, is that there's joy because God is sovereign and in control of all things. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Let's prepare our hearts to uh, receive uh, and celebrate the Lord's table this morning. Lord, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, we choose you as our refuge, not worldly systems, not our own resources, our own intellect, our, our own wealth. Lord, we, cho- we choose you as our refuge. And Lord, today we choose to grab a hold of your joy that you give us as a gift, your joy that sustains us. And Lord, we thank you for this table as we remember Christ, his coming, leaving the trappings of glorious fellowship in heaven with his Father and becoming a man, fully God, but fully a man, so that we could have life eternal. Lord, we break this bread. We remember your incarnation. Let's eat together. Lord, we take this cup and, Lord, we give you thanks for our relationship with you is secured, not because of our faithfulness, but because of the faithfulness of God to his promises. We thank you for the shed blood of Christ that cleanses us, as Isaiah says, makes our sins whiter than snow, so we stand justified before our God. Lord, may you be glorified in our midst. May you be glorified in our life as we praise you and as we give you thanks today for the blood of Christ. For it's in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. Lord, we lift up our prayers to you this morning.